Patrick is the voice of the John Chi show. What? So, yeah. <laughs> my wife said, she was like, what? she was like, I think pa- Patrick is like kind of the voice of the John Chi show. I was like, what? No, Why? I, I don't want that I think... responsibility. I have to do my own voice. <laughs> I'm too worried about my own voice. I'm pretty sure if we were to go back and see who has led the most interviews, it would be you. So, well, I think Sarah's the that. voice of the John Chi show because That's she's true. Yeah, right. arguably she says the same thing every episode, introduces us. So yeah, she needs I'd to get a new script. She's or the enough with the banter. All right, all right, we're good. Oh, <laughs> you're listening to the John Chi show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to the John G Show. It's your boys, KJ, Nathan, and Patrick. We are here. We are live. We are ready to hang out with y'all. Um, we have a really great interview lined up today with Katie Ohashi, um, and we'll talk more about that. But first, we wanted to jump into uh, our interaction with Korean culture, with Korean identities, Um and just kind of our process with that, our producer, Jerry Wan, um, who is Korean-American, uh, sent us a message and just said, hey, uh, March 1st is a pretty important day in Korean history and wanted to share it with y'all. And uh, I am very grateful for him for always uh, just throwing things out there and just being like, hey, uh, you pro- may or may not know about this, but this is uh, you know a big deal for Koreans, whether it was Lunar New Year or uh, Chuseok or now uh, March 1st or the 3-1 movement. Um so, yeah, Nathan, do you want to give just a, a brief summary of, of what it is, was, and whatnot? As far as I read, uh, it's essentially on March 1st, there was a protest of the uh, Korean. I, I, I didn't see, was it mainly only South Korea um, yeah. that had the yeah. protest? Okay. Um, but, yeah, they protested against the Japanese occupation. Well, actually, wait. It wouldn't only be South Korea because at yeah. that point the they were still, was still one, unified. That's what so I was thinking. It was, it was still Korea. an entire yeah. continent, or yeah, it was all of the Korean people because they everything the Korean War hadn't happened, right? So yeah, this is March first, nineteen nineteen, for context. I mean, protests uh, of the Japanese occupancy. Uh, I guess they just they wanted to be liberated, and uh, there was lots of deaths, lots of injuries. 46,000 arrests. I mean, it was, it seemed like a fairly big, big deal. Uh, I haven't really read that much about it. I, you know, this is kind of the first I've been hearing about it. So, you know, curious on what you guys have, have seen or read about it. Uh, well, I just have the article that Jerry sent us pulled up here. I'm just reading it's about it. It's from Wikipedia. So, <laughs> yeah, from Wikipedia. It's very accessible to our <laughs> listeners. You're, yeah, it's you're going to want to Google the March 1st movement or Sam Il, which literally means 3 1 for the months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's stated as an unsuccessful protest movement um, by Korean students calling for independence from Japan, protesting the forced assimilation in the Japanese way of life. Um, but it's one of the first or earliest public displays of Korean resistance during that rule from 1910 to 1945. So I didn't know anything about this. I just am now finding out about it because I didn't even see the message from earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of what we wanted to just talk about a little bit is, you know, 
how we've engaged with Korean culture before and, you know, what we maybe regret, regret about not having done so or been able to do so. And I think for me, that's honestly, when I see this, that's exactly what I feel is a little bit of almost shame. I want to say, uh, for not knowing more about Korean history, especially after having done the show for like four or five months now. Um, I feel like I've been just one-sided in the way that I've been approaching the history that I've been learning specifically. Uh, as I try, I'm delving a little bit more into Korean history, but it's been specifically focused on adoptee-related stuff. And so yeah. mm-hmm. when I'm finding out about things like this, I'm like, man, what am I not learning about this? Like, what am I... I don't know what I'm doing. And so I just feel, yeah, like a little bit of shame there for, for having not done more. And I want to do more. Well, but to be fair, I mean, how much about American history do you know? How much do you do you know everything about, you know, I literally know everything about American history. <laughs> you know everything about it. <laughs> quiz you know, me. Every don't signature quiz me. on the, indep- do not quiz the me. Declaration <laughs> of Independence, you know. <laughs> you know what all 13 what is stripes black stand history for? for 400. <laughs> no. No, I mean, there's That's a lot. Right I, yeah, I mean, there's so much to know about history in general. I think for us to know everything about American history and Korean history, it would be we would really have to be very scholarly <laughs> yeah which you guys are on your way you read a lot more books and i uh, you will eventually i'm sure delve into a book that has more information about this um however i read like what i see online and i just read that actually in south korea march 1st is actually a national holiday so i believe that yeah, yeah, I just feel like I just feel like it's something that's important to me, uh, or I think it's important for everyone to you know at least know a little bit about your history. Um, I should probably know a little bit more about American history, to be honest. I'm always surprised at the holidays that pop up, and I'm like, I should know that this happened on this day, and I don't. So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just one of those things. Like as adoptees, you can feel a whole range of emotions, um, but we wanted to take a moment and just be like, these are things that we are coming across just now in our however many years of life that we have you know um mm-hmm. and certainly for some of us the internet hasn't existed for all of our existence but for others of us it has existed for all of our existence so uh there's differing levels of you know being able to know uh things but i think Feel that was uh, first off me. there's no shame for not knowing anything or for not engaging with anything um and certainly i think that there can be feelings of guilt or regret uh but you shouldn't be ashamed of your ignorance because uh yeah like patrick said like there are so many points of american history that we don't know and that's really like even if you are a good student you know like systemically if you're not taught about certain things like the japanese internment camps um then like you're just not going to know that. And that's not your own fault. That's just a whole issue with, you know, how we, what we decide to tell kids, you know? And so, yeah, like trying to pull in Korean history as well. Yeah. There's no shame in not knowing things. And, and I, I have loved doing this podcast for these little things that Jerry gets to send in and he's like, Hey, uh, this is coming up just FYI. And, and yeah. there's never an expectation of like, you should talk about it. There's never an expectation of, uh, why don't you know this or anything? He's just like, Hey, right. No you know, judgments. just in case you didn't know, yeah. um, this is this is an important thing in in our shared culture. And like, as your cultural opa, <laughs> like person who who knows more more than you, like, yeah. I just wanted to share that with you. And I I think that's such a a gracious way 
um, and really loving way to be like, here's some of your history and here's like something that you may be interested in, but without, without the expectation of like, oh, you should go and read this or without mm-hmm. the expectation of like, you have to know or have to even necessarily talk about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so like this year, we'll probably just be like, hey, this is a thing that we see and we now know about. And that's it. That's really all that we can say. But I just, I've, I feel like, you know, for us, like we don't know what we don't know. Uh, so some if some holiday comes up in June for Korea, I'll be like, oh, is this a this a thing? That's cool. And then next year, you know, I can make plans to celebrate that. You know, I keep seeing this this card game um, that was played. Uh, it's played on on Happy Cleaners, which is a uh, um, a story about a Korean American family um, just living their life in Flushing, New York. Um, but uh, it's like it, I also saw it in Startup, and it, it seems to be like a really traditional game. I think they might have played it in Minari too, um, but like I don't even really know how to describe it. But I'm like I want to play that game. I feel like I need to learn how to play that game and and do that. Uh, but like, yeah, it's just this recent kind of re-exposure to Korean culture. I'm like, this seems fun. I'd like to learn a Korean game and figure out how to you know how how to play this. So. I want to know the the game, and then now I just want to know what the history of the game is. Like, why were is they it, playing is it this called in the Go first Stop? Place? I have no idea. I'm gonna go stop because Go Stop was something that I had looked up actually for um, the New Year's Lunar New Year. It was yes, one of the ones that it they looks play. like Go Stop is okay. is the game. So perfect. Yeah. All right, so there we go. That. Discovery you, on the show. There you oh, go. Thanks. You can Nathan. You can Google. buy it on Amazon, and um, there are different versions of it i actually looked into purchasing one just to see if my kids would like it so yeah um i have no clue how it's played but yeah it's uh that's go stop so there you go i think we should find out if there is a like a digital version like a words or friends version so that the three of us can play that would be cool like for one of our shows or like a live stream we can be like yo let's play go stop together (laughs) i'm gonna get on there and crush you guys because i've already been on that game for months now yeah i believe you for a second I was like, what? I've been playing Ghost Stop for months. I'm a Ghost Stop master. <laughs> no, I have no idea how to play it. Wouldn't know the first thing about it. So I need to I need the app. I need that app. <laughs> I don't know. So very exciting. Um, well, we have a really great interview with Katie Ohashi coming up. Um, she is a Disney queen. And uh, we are so excited to uh, to share her story with you, uh, all about her adoption, about what led her into um, the scholarly world of Disney and Disney villains, uh, her podcast, The Wonderful World of Disney Villains, and uh, everything in between. So here is that interview right now. Running. I got to remember to bring it back to that uh, later in the interview. Yeah, uh, now I'm gonna ask. I got. Yeah, I got a question I'm, about, I'm it about it already. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I'm like, why did we yeah. start started the interview? Hurry up and start, guys. You kept talking start. about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame that on me. This content is gold. All right, all right, all right, all right. <clears throat> we are here with Katie Ohashi today. Katie, thank mm-hmm. you for joining us here on the John Chi Show. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you all? Great. I'm not very doing too full. Bad. <laughs> uh, for the listeners, KJ has just eaten a boatload of chilies, and he is feeling good. Um, Wait, I feel like I should chilies the restaurant, not just like chilies the peppers. You should give context. Yeah. Oh. So whatever, I'm very chilies rights reserved. <laughs> just like some rights, not all rights. Some right. rights of chilies are reserved. 
Exactly. Um, we are extremely excited to have Katie here with us today, a fellow podcaster um, and everything that we're going to get into, um, but also a fellow adoptee. So, Katie, yes. for our listeners, um, why don't you kick us off with just a little bit of your origin story? Um, talk okay. to us about uh, a little bit about your adoption and growing up. Yeah. Um, so I grew up a bit south of Seattle and I was adopted when I was three months old. Um, and I'm an only child, so I feel like I should make that clear. My neighbors were Hawaiian, so I was always hanging out with them. They were the only people of color in my block, so I felt very connected to them. I related to them. They were always at my house. I was always at their house. They have five kids, and I'm an only child, so that was a very different dynamic. And now they have six kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, but, uh, you know, funny enough, all the kids in the block would always come to my house, Um, so everything was always done at my house. I actually had a golf cart. We would drive it through. um, There was, like, a, a thorn bush field across the across the street from me so we would just drive it through there and we like attached um this like beaten up cart to it and we would pile all the kids in that and <laughs> we would just drive through it um drive all the time through the thorn bush that just doesn't sound fun oh there was a path there was like a distinct path through it for some reason that, and you, I don't know. Bl- that you blazed your oh my god through the bush <laughs> and, like, I think, to the and, and you I, hope nobody yeah. falls off into the thorn bush <laughs> yes oh for sure because that metal uh carton thing was really heavy on your butt you just bounced and hit it so many times that you're like oh gosh i gotta like grip it and hope that nothing happens i don't go flying out um by the way it was safe it was only like six feet you know so it was a very short trip and there were small thorns it's okay yeah Yeah, it's cash um but yeah i i had that lifestyle my parents ended up divorcing um when i was maybe nine or so. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't really upset because I was at that age where I was like two of everything. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't really process that as, uh, thoroughly and probably as healthily as I should have. But, um, I, so my parents separated, but they stayed in the same school district. So I, I stayed at the same school. Um, I did end up moving schools, uh, more close to like middle school and other, but actually one of my friends did too. So we ended up moving to the same school and so I always had like someone everywhere I went that I was like, oh, I know you. Even if something changes, I'm good. Um, I grew up going to a summer camp specifically for Korean adoptees and their siblings. So we would learn about different Korean heritage, um, like food, like how to make certain things. We did uh, martial arts. We did like arts and crafts. We did dances. We did all these different things. And so I went to that every summer. Surprisingly, and for whatever reason, my class was always all boys were like predominantly boys. Um, I don't know why that age was only boys. And it's, it's, it's all people in the state of Washington who would attend this. And it was run by somebody who was also a Korean adoptee um, and his wife, who is Korean, and his daughter, uh, who is obviously Korean. And um, yeah, I just really was attached to that. Uh, as a teenager, we had uh, the summer camp, but it was actually like a sleepaway camp. So you would stay at this cabin like for the entire week and we did everything but Korean related things. So we would play soccer. We had dance competitions. Um, we had like team building exercises. We did races. We did like 
a lot of singing and dancing, <laughs> a lot of campfires. Basically, it was just singing and dancing the whole time. It's like, let's just play music and have dance competitions this entire week. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was great. <laughs> and um, for whatever reason, we never hung out all, or we didn't hang out all year. And I was like, why don't we? Because I like you're my best friends. We should totally hang out all year. So I started calling them reunions and I would like plan these events where we would get together and nobody can drive by the way we're all like 14 years old and um yeah we would get together we go to the beach we would do all these things we had sleepovers uh we just had uh, so much fun and so i like stuck with that that was like one of my like bit favorite like growing up memories and i'm still friends with all of them today they went to my wedding and funny enough i used to be the one who lived the furthest away and now everybody's slowly like as adults starting to move closer to me (laughs) yeah that was kind of my um upbringing i just was always really close to the korean adoptee community um i married into a japanese family who also have korean adoptees in their family so my um yeah my husband has four korean adoptee cousins um two from one family two from another yeah and they have very different experiences because they grew up in a japanese household where they are also asian (laughs) and so they don't have that difference that i have where i grew up in a white household Um, But at the same time, my parents did their best because they were very into Korean culture. Like my mom was very into learning and making sure that she knew like Korean words. I grew up with her teaching me how to cook Korean foods. And then I wasn't really into K-pop and Korean dramas at one point in time. And I got my friends on all of that and my husband on that that (laughs) level um, where we watch Running Man and the the Korean game show and and other. Um, Yeah, I felt like I was very involved and I didn't feel disconnected um, in any way, aside from like, you know, when you go to Korea and Koreans, you know, are like, oh, you're American. <laughs> but aside from that, and I don't really take that personally, but um, uh, yeah, I've been very connected to the Korean heritage, the Korean com- adoptee community, and I've been to the International Korean Adoptee Association Conference twice in Korea, um, 2013, and then recently, 2019. So um yeah and the actually the person who runs that conference is the person who ran my summer camp so that's how i found out about it yeah so they're always like oh you know the president of you know who runs and i'm like yeah like i grew up with them like she's only the daughter is only a year older than me and um we grew up together and she's been doing this ever since and you know she's doing great things oh and i totally forgot about this but my godparents also have a korean adoptee daughter and I totally didn't even think about that, but I grew up with it in every realm. And my my mom's side, I have cousins. My dad and I were actually adopted on the same day. So the day that my dad adopted me was the day that he was adopted into my grandparents' family and oh. like changed his last name then. And so then my parents, my mom had to change her last name because she was obviously married to my dad and they had his old last name. And so they had to change that. And then on my mom's side, I have cousins as well. Uh, You've been surrounded by it then. Yeah. That's great. And I didn't even think about it growing up, to be honest, until like now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where I'm like, oh, on every side, like even my dad, on my dad's side, um, one of my cousins is adopted, um, but domestically, not not internationally. But yeah, in every aspect of my life, I guess, I've always known somebody who's adopted. My roommate in college was adopted from China, which was totally like unexpected. And then another roommate I had are like, social drinking circle had a korean adoptee 
Um, just, yeah. And even at my job, so my first adult job, uh, as a college advisor, which is what I do now, one of the advisors was a Chinese adoptee. So just like in every aspect of my life. I think that's, a. Uh, I think that's one of the most interesting things that I've heard, uh, since like becoming engaged with, uh, the Korean adoptee community, just the adoptee community in general. Um, definitely, I think even on the show, we've heard stories about people that grew up with adoptees, but I feel like the ways in which your story flows through adopt or how I guess adoption flows through your story, um, is really like in depth and specific in a way that I've not heard before, uh, which makes that really interesting. Um, and I think Two, having like read your read what you wrote on the guest forum and then having heard you speak a few times in Clubhouse and tell your story mm-hmm. a little bit, I thought it was really nice to s- just be able to sit and hear you kind of give it all a little bit and put all the pieces yeah. together and put it all in one place. Um, Thank I you think- for that, too, by the way. Your uh, guest form was probably the most <laughs> filled out I think oh, any really? guest form has been. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we had really like to read. required. <laughs> We had somebody fill the form out that said, I'm not going to answer any of these. I'm going to, you can ask me on the show. <laughs> so we did. I mean, like, hey, we they're not you. wrong either, though. That's I didn't true. think about that. I'm, I like to be thorough. No, it was that great. That is very true. Um, so I wanted to ask you about a little bit more about growing up in, like, where you grew up in Seattle. Um, you said in your neighborhood, your neighbors being Hawaiian and having other adoptees to be around. What was. What was the other, what was the, the community like outside of that? Was it diverse at all or were your parents just going out and finding places to put you into that? They were finding diverse? places. Okay. Yeah. 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 Per- yeah. No, the rest of my neighborhood was white. Um, in my school, I can only remember two people of color in my grade. Or maybe that was just my class. Like maybe I wasn't looking at other, you know, first grade classes other than my own or something. But I remember um a black kid down the street from me and I remember a Japanese girl uh who rode the bus with me. But that was it. Well, yeah, and then when I switched and moved to a different elementary school, there was a Filipino girl and a black girl. And that was like my circle. Um, and later, I mean, it, it diversified a little bit, but not really. And yeah, it was very, a very white suburban, like middle-class type of scenario or situation or uh, growing up. And I mean, I knew a couple Korean and, um, Asian folks growing up and going to school, but not, not many. Surprisingly in high school, the only other Korean, uh, students were all men, Again, I don't know why. Um, I was so I I couldn't really connect because I was like, yeah, we're both Korean, but you're you're boys and you're expected to be this way. And I, yeah, and um, actually, funny enough, they were. I feel like they were being rebellious, like they were purposely trying to debunk the model minority myth because they were purposely acting dumb. And I'm like, I'm sure you're not this dumb. I really am. <laughs> and I can give you an example. One of them stole the answers to a test, a future test, gave it to everybody in the school before the test. And so Even everybody Even the people that didn't it. take that class? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you would know. And I'm like, how are you not going to get caught if you're telling everybody the answers to this test? And they did get caught and they were suspended. And I'm like... <laughs> 
like i'm sure you're smarter than this like we'll just push him back against that narrative i like it i yeah i, I totally to get that and i was totally <laughs> well, there the probably opposite. better ways to do that than stealing tests and giving it to students and getting suspended but yeah yeah, yeah. live your life <laughs> and i was and i was like not there yet i was like i don't really know what the model minority myth is yet i'm just gonna do my best get a's because i don't want to disappoint my parents which is very stereotypical um i guess going back so my mom yeah she purposely was always trying to find things for me that were uh related to my heritage and she was also purposely trying to learn those as well with me and um she even says now like she's a korean grandma Mm -hmm. and she has like a, a how many uh sure you know for my because i have a baby i should i should give context i have a newborn no i'm not really a newborn thank you he's eight months i guess that's not considered newborn more infant that's newborn Um, enough yeah um so yeah so i have i have an eight month old Uh, during the pandemic it's kind of a newborn probably not many people have met him right so yeah yeah no that's true yeah and actually i told my students uh one of my students recently i was like yeah my baby is eight months and she was like i felt like i just found out you were pregnant because (laughs) because i wasn't even showing for real i wasn't even showing yet when the pandemic hit I was six months, so I was, like, just starting to show, and then they were like, you're going to work from home from now on, so everybody's only going to see you from the shoulders up. <laughs> so there I was like, go. nobody knows. Yeah. And then you'll come out of pandemic and like, look, I had a baby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it'll be his right. like, Really, are shoulders not famously <laughs> a place where you carry baby weight? <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit lower than that. <laughs> I don't know how babies work. We can talk about it later. It's fine. <laughs> I hear you. I have a 13-month-old, so I'm in the same boat. Mm. My, even mm-hmm. my, sister, my sister hasn't even met um my daughter yet so oh really yeah because she lives out of state and we can't travel so yeah so i think that's i think that's really awesome to hear about especially an adoptive a white adoptive parent going out of their way to put uh their adopted child in these positions to connect Mm -hmm. with culture and then not only that but modeling that behavior by participating in those activities with you i think that is a big time thing that's not talked about a lot is modeling um Mm -hmm. or at least in the conversations that i've been privy to um so were those were those experiences enough to kind of hold tide you over until the camp came around each year um or was that just like was that the big focal point each year for really diversifying the experiences that you're able to have kind of throughout if that makes sense yeah it does and no not really (laughs) (laughs) um i I don't know. Adoption didn't really tie in for me. Um, Like, so for one thing, whenever we had like parent teacher conferences, my teachers would say, oh, like you must be Katie's mom. You two are so alike. And so it didn't really register that I was adopted. I knew I was I looked different. And my parents purposely had children's books about the non-nuclear family. So it'd have like interracial, um, like family and kids, or it'd have, you know, like a parent in a wheelchair or a single parent or other dynamics. And I even had an adoption book of sorts, not about my personal adoption story, but just like the idea. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. The concept. For the listeners at home, I made a big old square (laughs) capture all of adoption. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In that box. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I just never really put it together because I think the people around me just didn't question it either. Um, I mean, I had a couple strangers who'd be like, you don't look alike. How could, you know, how could she be your mother? Um, but I mean, because of the positive, I guess, influence of 
everybody else not agreeing with that statement. I just it didn't really internally take that. Um, and even at Korean, even at the Korean camp, we didn't talk about adoption. We only talked about like learning about Korean heritage. And then as teenagers, all we did were play sports and do things that were like physically tiring so that counselors didn't really have to you know, deal with us. <laughs> at least that was my interpretation. you like yeah. puppy dogs. That's my assumption, at least. <laughs> yeah, we were very close knit. Um, we only talk about adoption one night at this camp. And it's usually like in the middle of the week. And so the counselors get together and we split up by gender, which was so such a disadvantage for me as the only female of my right. age where all of the other girls were like, if I was 18, they were 16 or younger mm. and going through very different phases in their life than I was. And so nobody would say anything. And then I would talk to the boys and they were like, oh, yeah, we had a very lively conversation. All we did was talk, 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 talk. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Why can't it be like age-based conversations? <laughs> so at least for me, I didn't get anything out of the one time that we did talk about adoption. And even then, um, not all of the counselors are adoptees. Mm. Uh, so we had we had camp counselors from Denmark. We had one from France Whoa. one year. We had one from Korea. Because they all come from ICA, right. the conference. Uh, yeah, yeah, so sure, they're adults sure, sure, from sure. that, and they purposely come over the summer. Yeah, so in all in all, like adoption didn't really... I wasn't really like seeking like, oh, I can't wait for this one week in the summer. And actually right. I would spend, I would actually spend the week after at my friend at the oldest house and we just had a sleepover for that entire week and we would just do everything there was to do around their house. Um, so I would usually technically be gone for two weeks, but, um, yeah, I, I always looked forward to it. I don't think it was the highlight of every single year, mm. but it was definitely a significant part of my life where I definitely will never forget that experience. It sounds like because of that kind of going off of what Patrick said, you had that one week of, um, or the two weeks, I guess, of all the, even though it wasn't adoption centered because they weren't really talking about adoption. Right. Were there moments that you felt you wished you had more adoption conversations or, I mean, cause you had a lot of, uh, conversation or a lot of adoptee uh, connections, you know, with, yeah. uh, um, other people that you knew and stuff like that was there other times where you're like i wish i could talk to them about adoption or did, was there anyone that you specifically talked to adopt talk to uh with about adoption a lot yeah so the um the individual whose house i went to um the week after so him and another um guy my age we were like I don't want to say we're like the three musketeers, but the three of us were always together. And so it was the three of us who spent that second week together doing um, like going to the movies or going to do other things. And so the three of us have definitely talked about it. We went to Korea together the first time in 2013 to the ICA gathering. And actually the oldest was already there, but um, the his sister, myself and the other guy went flew together to meet him. And then the three of us actually went to the adoption agency to see like where we were, you know, our first however many months of life. So the three of us definitely talked about it because um, we're all relatively the same age. We're all born in, like in this, within a year of each other um, or like we're all born within three months of each other. So when the oldest was born and left, I was born. And then when I was getting ready to leave, that was when the other was born. So and we all were from the same agency. Well, which was crazy. Um, and so we all went together. We all like looked at our files to, together, but separate in, you know, in separate rooms. And then 
two of us, myself and the oldest, decided that we would do the birth search. The youngest decided not to. And I just thought, like, okay, yeah, I'll sign it. I'll fill it in. But I'm not really expecting anything. Literally a month later, I got an email saying that they found her and that she wanted to connect with me. And this was something that I talked about with my parents before. Like, I'm thinking about this, but I don't. I don't really need anything from it or I'm not really anticipating anything will come out of it, but I just wanted to try. And I was probably 19 at the time, 18 or 19 years old. And so I was just like, I'll just do it just in case. And I got this letter saying, you know, like, I didn't know your gender. I had no idea like anything about you. I would look at all these little children who I thought were about your age thinking that could be you, that could be you. And I didn't want to give you up, but my parents didn't think I was fit to raise a child, which was really hard. Um, and I think my mom and I read it together. I can't, I can't remember. And the, fu the, the funny, not so funny thing was they sent a picture of her. And so I showed my mom and my mom actually felt relieved because she was like, oh, you don't look anything like her, <laughs> um, which is like funny, but also not, you know? And yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was funny um, that she said that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I'm glad you're okay with it. Cause I, you know, as an adoptee, you know, you're super concerned about your parents' feelings in this matter, or at least I am, I should say, um, because I was so close to my parents. And the oldest actually did find uh, his birth family as well. And he actually connected and met them and has since gone back and forth to and from Korea to, to visit them. Um, but I have not. I should make I should emphasize I did write an initial letter uh, saying, you know, like, I'm doing fine. You don't have to apologize um, all these things. Um, but then I just didn't keep up with it. I'm really bad at, um, the pen pal writing letter. Cause I, I wanted to write by hand to then give the translator so that they could show my handwriting so that she knew it was authentic. It wasn't like made up, but mm -hmm. and typed by some translator that wasn't me, you know? So I wanted to be authentic, but I just, I was in college. I couldn't keep up with it. I was working, and I did a 16 hour internship a week and I was going to school full time. So I was like, and not that that's an excuse, of course, but I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. I am getting on with my life. And then right after I graduated, I went straight into my current job And that the first year of my current job literally drained the life out of me because I wasn't used to working 40 hours a week. And so that was a, that was a transition. And I just forgot about it um, until a couple years ago. And, um, when we, so my husband and I went to ICA in 2019 and there was different workshops specifically for partners of adoptees. So he attended those. I think he, I'm assuming he learned a lot about what it is to be married to an adoptee. Um, and, uh, I started thinking about it again. Then I was connecting to adoptees from Seattle and we were thinking about having kids and, and, and by that, I mean, like we talked about it once. <laughs> at at ICA in Korea. We talked about it once. It's like well, deep into the it. planning stages. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like we were like, should we have kids? I think we should have kids. How many kids are you thinking? And then end of conversation. Um <laughs> and then you know, good night. Yeah, Logical it was conclusion. a great conversation. And then um lo and behold the next month I found out I'm pregnant. Um, <laughs> so it was like, well hmm. we're having a kid surprise. It's like inception um, or something. Yeah. And but so then that's when I really started thinking about it because in every single appointment, they are asking me about my family history, my, my mm -hmm. medical family, my family medical history. And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. I 
am adopted. I don't have access to that. I don't even, you know, I have no recollection. And I guess I should give context before, like while I was in Korea and before, um, not, not long before, but I was having a lot of thyroid issues. And so I was like actually going to the doctor around the time of Korea and later where they were saying like your thyroid charts are your thyroid records are off the chart and this is not healthy and there's something like seriously wrong to the point that you should be in physical pain and you are not like you seem very okay but you should be like writhing on the floor in pain like this is how high your records are and I was like I feel great um aside from like throwing up every now and then I'm fine and then turns out it was the baby (laughs) um the baby was making my thyroid charts go off the chart and then when once I had him I was fine and back to normal, <laughs> but all in right. all those, in all those appointments, they were asking me like, what's your family history? Like, maybe this is, you know, genetic or other. And, and, you know, I can't, I couldn't say anything. And even my mom would go to the appointments with me or my husband would go to the appointments with me. And I'm like, what do you want me to say? Like, you want me to keep saying it over and over again? Are you trying to trigger me or something? Like, I can't tell you anything because I don't know. Um, so in situations like that, like I really wish I did know and mm-hmm. I really wish I had connected. But to be honest, other than that, I I don't really feel like I need it. If anything, I, because I'm a person who likes to help others and I've kind of been reading that that might be like part of it could be related to being adopted is, you know, trying to please everybody. But um, I am a people pleaser and that's why I have a degree in social work <laughs> and um, I feel like I would I feel like I would want to meet her just to like make her feel relieved so that you know if she believes in some religion that I do or don't believe in that she would feel like you know she got her apology out she can you know feel relieved and, and move on with her life um, but yeah so my yeah. long answer. No, that, I, mean, no that's I think re- it was great. That was really great. I mean, the I, I can relate with the the fact of seeing a photo for the first time and going, yeah, I, I don't feel like I look like them. Yeah. Um, because I, I had really? the same reaction uh, with my parents when I saw the photo. However, my brother was in the photo and mm. I looked like him. And that's when oh. it made me realize, okay, this is my family. because it, I, it, But my parents, if you had just shown me a photo of my parents, I would have been like, I don't know. I don't, I don't mm. know if I look like them. Um, so yeah. I, I can re- relate to that uh, um, kind of that, that feeling when, when you saw that. Um, other things, I have to say, yeah, I, thank you for sharing all of that information about finding your, your mother and uh, the information um, about connecting and stuff. I think there's... Uh, something to be said about uh, being 19 and being overwhelmed with life that is yeah. understandable. I mean, that's a lot to take in when you when you when you have a, a moment like that when you find you know your 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 birth mom and but you you're just getting just going life. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. So. Yeah, I think it I think it says a lot about the conversations that we've been having in terms of, you know, what it means to be an adoptee on this journey. And Mm -hmm. for everybody, you know, some people are going to find relatives, some people are not going to. And at the end of the day, you can only do with that what you can do with that. I think um, when it's your time to reach back out or, you know, whenever you feel that that urge or that need, if you ever feel it again, then that's the right time. And right. I think you, when you bring up people pleasing and uh, things like that, you know, I do think that's heavily tied to being an adoptee that em- or that empathy, 
I think mm-hmm. that we all try to project out and in, um, yes. I think has a lot to do with it because I'm definitely the same way. Uh, I definitely feel that people pleasing type of pull and wanting to do that type of work. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you what it was like the first time that you went to Ica. Um, especially because, you know, we had Glenn Morey on the show and he talked about going to the conference for the first time and how it was very transformational. And I think your experience is so different than a lot of adoptees because you've been able to grow up with a lot of uh, other adoptees surrounded by that culture. And not only that, you were at the camp, uh, set up by the founder of Ica as well. So, you know, you're getting exposed to a little bit of that. What was that first trip like for you? Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. It was like the stand. It was like the movie, um, like any girl's trip movie that you would watch where like a bunch of friends are going out and they're on this adventure together and they're like experiencing everything for the first time and just having fun, getting lit, you know, all those fun (laughs) things. That was us. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I was 18 or 19 and, and you age up a little bit in Korea and literally like all the older kids from camp who were able to go went. So it wasn't just like the three of us. It was the three of us plus the oldest sister. And so it was always the four of us together doing everything. And um, specifically the four of us, I guess, were very close together. So we stayed at our adoption agency and there was only two beds. So um, myself and the sister were together and then one was on the floor and the other was in the other bed. <laughs> so we stayed there for the first couple of days. We kind of like did the tours. We did like the late nights and in Hongdae and, and other places. And then we went to the hotel because we were teenagers who couldn't afford to stay at the Lotte Hotel, which is this big, like you walk into the lobby and it's all gold. <laughs> you're just like i don't think i can afford to be here <laughs> like as a 19 year old should i just go i can't yeah go i was lobby. like is this, is this the real place? gold is like, this real gold? um but yeah there was a giant like poster saying like welcome you know to you Ica. And, and i'm like <laughs> yeah so actually like we decided the four of us would share a room and we would split the cost um and initially when we got it, it was this really cramped, like two bed bedroom. And we were like, I don't think the four of us can like <laughs> we literally can barely walk through the door together. And so we upgraded to get three beds and it was like super spacious, super big. Um, and we we split that cost. The bathroom was huge. And we were like playing with the phone in the toilet and like with the phone outside. Nice. And we were just having a great time. And now actually that was I think that was one of the first times I had drank because i was of legal drinking age so i think that was the first time i drank alcohol um so we like went the four of us went out to a korean barbecue place we had the spicy octopus and soju so your first Um, alcohol was soju yeah yeah and it was very korean yes and you know later when i was in college i did like soju but then i was like "Uh uh-uh no i can't that's so strong and gross and actually myself and the oldest were were the same we were like i don't think we like alcohol but the other two really liked it and so we were like okay well obviously we know whose sides are on whose and um there yeah i just remember it was also the first time that i saw my friends getting drunk because i obviously hadn't i'd never went to like high school parties or anything so I was like, okay, this is interesting, especially since I'm so close to them. I feel like it's bringing us closer together. Also, I remember the oldest getting a little too tipsy and being naked in front of all of us. And I was like, Yikes. oh, 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 no, <laughs> please. 
So this is Which what not sign up for does. that kind of thing. You know, we getting lit. Um, usually, it's, it's, like usually it's tequila, not, not soju. Yeah, you know? and, one in and, Korea. Well, and and Ica, if you go to Ica, they go out every night and they party until like four in the morning every night. And you know, back then I was like so into it, like yeah, let's all go. We're gonna go to the club together. We're all gonna have fun. We all dress up together. Um, you know, we wear the fancy dresses, the fancy heels. We, you know, do the whole the whole nine yards, and we go shopping together. Um, we, uh, I mean, again, like I said, a lot of them were men um, in in the group, and a lot of them were younger as well. But we would all go together as like a giant group of like, I think there was like almost ten of us. And we would all go from, we were like, oh, we're all from Washington and we all came together and we're all staying in different rooms and we're all staying at each other's rooms and we're having this great old time <laughs> and we would go shopping for each other and be like, I got you this or I got you this. Do you think this is great? Do you think that is great? And it was just like a lot of fun. And um, I, yeah, I thought it was like the best, the best experience of Korea that I could have had. That being said, I've been to Korea before with my family, but I thought that was like the most fun experience of Korea. <laughs> and we would do all of the all of the things together. Uh, we didn't do the workshops, though. That was the one thing we're like, we don't want to be stuck inside. We want to go to Myeongdong. We want to go to Hongdae. We want to go to all the places. We don't want to be stuck inside. I mean, we're teenagers, right? right. Um, and I'm we're the oldest, 19. So you got to think 19 and under is, is what we're working with. Um and yeah, so we get like the tall ice cream or we would go and put the locks on and the locks world. of love and no, we did not. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, I really, I really liked that we had that experience together because it was, a, it was the first time to Korea for a lot of them. Um, we had like the big fancy dinner together and we saw like K-pop groups because they had them at the, the closing ceremony. And yeah, it was just so much fun and seeing them, you know, for the entire week together. And actually we stayed for two weeks. So, um, it was kind of extended. And then, um, going to Ica the second time was a lot different because the weather was 10 times worse than I remembered it being because it was monsoon season. It was mm. all thunder and lightning the entire time we were there. So I felt horrible because it was my husband's first time to Korea. Um, but we kind of just spent the entire time rain. inside. Yeah, it was it was like literally downpour, thunder, lightning, dark all day, every day. It was, and humid, obviously, right? Yeah. And so we had scheduled these tours, but we obviously didn't go on them um, because we're also homebodies. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah it was just kind of bad but we we went to all the workshops <laughs> because of that um i only remember one though or no i should say two so there's an age uh for those of you who've never been to Ica, there's an age work breakout group um so they you just get to meet everybody who's your same age but Oof, for me because Nathan. i'm not yeah for me because i'm <laughs> younger it's it's so it's not accurate. It's basically kids camp all over again. Oh, nice. The it's 18, 18 to twenty nine year olds was my age group. Oh, so just a small, yeah. very yeah. similar stages you know? of life. Sure. Yeah, completely. So said, I'm, hmm. but I was, I think I was the oldest. So it was literally <laughs> just like me with my like full adult life and bills and all these college students. I hear you. And <laughs> I was like, what's the fairness in this? Everybody else gets like the 31-year-old group, the 32-year-old group, the 35-year-old group, the 40-year-old group. Like, you know, there's there was enough. But for me, I was like, okay, I'm not getting anything out of this. But yeah, definitely the first time was like the best time ever. I met Korean adoptees from Australia, from France. I met the twins, the Futterman twins. I also met um, Dan, 
uh, if anyone's heard of Danny Kate Dan, who has yep. the yep. two documentaries. Yeah. Episode seven. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've met him multiple times. He came to my college and, and premiered his documentary. And that was in um, 2013. That actually might have been about when he was doing his documentary. Yeah. He was filming it because yeah. my friends are in it. Yep. Um, oh, if wow. you, there you go. Yeah. If you're watching yeah. it, you can see like some of my friends. One of my friends was in his like scavenger or oh, the cool. the, yeah. Great, yeah. The, the raising race group yeah. mm-hmm. and then um one of my friends is just so stinking tall that in every shot <laughs> you see him <laughs> it's like dang That's i amazing. was i was always next to him but you can't see me because i'm so short um, i was in the shadow <laughs> so katie yeah. i'm curious um having listened to all of your story I'm, I'm just curious one of the things that that's been rattling around in, in my brain and i think in in our my co-host's brain a little bit is uh like we talk about um our identities and our relationship to uh, adoption, to Koreanness, and to Asian Americanness as kind of three separate things. Um, so you've had uh, a pretty unique story, even in the scope of our own podcast, uh, about um, your relationship with adoption and adoptees. But I'm curious mm-hmm. where um, where you land at this present moment um, with those three things. Like, do you feel like? Do you claim yourself as an adoptee? Like, is that an identity that you name and claim? Or is that just like, no, nah, I mean, that's a, a fact of my life. It's not like a thing. Or like, do you like because of your your mom's uh, work in, in raising you and things like that? You're like, I'm very, I feel very close uh, and feel very comfortable calling myself Korean. Um, and then, uh, you know, like just, yeah. So uh, with Asian Americanness, like, I don't know, like it's for the four of us here on this particular episode, you know, being raised transracially uh i think we each have our own journey with claiming that so where do you find yourselves in those intersections yeah uh you know it's funny so i grew up so my mom is scottish and so i grew up always calling myself scottish korean american and i went to like the bagpipe events i always saw men in kilts like the whole nine yards And, you know, what's funny is when I was going through my social work program, there's a particular class that you have to take as a junior that is a facilitation where they purposely try and pair you with your classmates who are opposite you, like in every possible way, gender, race, sexuality, nationality, like any like any type of way. And you have facilitated discussions with seniors. So the seniors facilitate the discussion. And. There was one particular day where we had to break up by race. And so they were like, if you're a person of color, you go to this room. If you're white, you go to this room. If you're um, biracial, you go to this room. And even in like, you shouldn't really combine all the people of color together because they all have such different experiences. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, and it what's was, the rest of the world feel like? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? it was very, 18 to 29. Fools. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was very divided because, so I went to the people of color group, but I was like, oh, I never really thought of myself as a person of color. Um, but I know I am and I know I identify that way. And I, in college, I always said I was Asian. And so I went to the person of color group and it was so weird. Like all of the Asian individuals somehow like migrated and happened to sit next to each other without thinking about it. And then the Hispanic, Latinx, black all sat on the other side of the room. And it just felt so, I mean, we, we totally weren't divided and we totally, you know, support each other and love each other, but it was just such a weird thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was like all of the Asians agreed on this thing, but it, but everybody else disagreed with that or vice versa. And afterwards, one of the facilitators came up to me, who I also believe identifies as Asian, if I can remember correctly. And they were like, I'm surprised to see you here. I thought you would have gone to the biracial group because even though you're Korean, you identify as Scottish. 
And I had never thought about that. I was only thinking about it like externally, what do you see? So that's where I should be. Um, but then in the group, I was like, I can't really, I, hmm, like, yeah, but also, mm, I don't know if I, mm, I didn't have Asian parents, so oh, what? Okay. Um, so I was just kind of so mixed, but then after, so it working in my field and a college in higher education, everybody's always learning everything. And it, the idea of being Asian kind of was more ingrained in me at that point because, you're in college and literally on the registration form, it asks you what your race is. It's like, we took it off since then, but you know, it was still there. And so, I mean, I had a student come up and be like, I love your culture and I love your food and every, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like who, what? I didn't even tell you like, <laughs> how, like, what are you getting this from? And also I, I should clarify back then I had a very white last name, but yeah, it was just kind of ingrained in me because the other person, the, the Chinese adoptee, her name was also Katie. Mm. And so the only way that people really differentiated us was by our ethnicity, which is messed up, I should say. Um, but people would say, like, you know, who's your advisor? Katie. Great. Which Katie? The Asian one. Great. Which Katie? <laughs> you know, it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. And so really the only way for people to differentiate us was either, you know, saying, oh, Korean or Chinese, or if they happen to know where our office was. But at the time, our offices were right next to each other. So it didn't really help the front desk. Um, yeah, so I it kind of started getting more into, oh, I should say I'm Asian. I should say I'm Asian American. I should say I'm Korean American. And adoptee is kind of just a fact for me. It's not something that I like stick and label on every single thing that I have or or am or or whatnot like i also feel like i have to explain what adoptee means to a lot of people because they may not know what it means um so i just don't i just don't mention it there was one instance in college where i was working at the like the study abroad international um department and i was working with an advisor and he he forgot everything i said every single time i said it and he would always ask me about my parents and how they were doing and i would have and and he would ask them specifically like like asian parent specific things and i have to explain every day that my parents are not asian they are white <laughs> every single day. and i just gave up i was like i'm not even gonna say i'm adopted i'm just gonna say yeah sure let's go um but yeah and then to, uh, I guess to add on to it, so maybe because I'm a person of color, I was invited or voluntold, I can't even remember, to student life to be a part of the identity, culture, inclusion club group. I'm not really sure what it was. It was a certificate that students could get if they attended workshops, presentations, et cetera, about diversity. And so I was invited to do a workshop on, I think, anything, but I chose intersectionality. And I did a presentation on intersectionality with the other Katie and we kept doing it and we did it at the students of color conference, the faculty and staff of color conference. And then she eventually left. So it was just me. And I continued to do that work. I continued to do um, presentations on like unconscious bias and stereotyping and microaggressions and other things. And then eventually, you know, leading up to the past couple of years, I was nominated to be on the equity, diversity, inclusion committee for my campus and also um I was asking for professional development, so I was um, told to look into the Multicultural Student Services Directors Council, which is a state-level uh, representative position. So now I represent my college for the state in that committee that is working to, um, you know, bridge 
gaps in education and also plan the students of color conference among a lot of other things that are related to diversity and equity belonging pluralism and, and other um so i've been doing that related work a lot uh over the past four or five years i would say um so because of those reasons i feel obligated to say i'm korean american or asian american or other because that's what people see on the outside and also i'm doing the work so i can't really say i'm not because obviously i am and i'm doing the work and talking about stereotypes and oppression and all these events that are going on and you know black lives matter and all of the like elderly asian hate and you know the you know literally all the political events which to be honest i was not really keeping up with the past year because i did in fact have a baby so <laughs> um yeah so i guess i was kind of forced into it mm -hmm. um but i i do identify as korean american more than asian american even though i know it's like one and the same but i just feel like and i, I don't know if you feel the same that i just can't relate with asian american at the same level because i'm an adoptee and not that that's a bad thing, but I do think that adoptee should be its own separate category. Not that we should even have categories or labels to begin with, but, you know, it is what it is. I think something that you said, uh, being adoptee or being adopted is a fact. Like, that's a thing that's just a fact about you and uh, or about us. Um, and I think that it. I think this conversation is interesting because I've been having this sim a similar conversation uh, with another group of adoptees the past few days. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about is how do we have the conversation where it doesn't feel like you're labeling someone as adoptee first who doesn't want to have that label put on them, you know, in the, in the mm -hmm. group of adoptees, you know, I think, and it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a difficult thing to, to navigate appropriately. But I think something that we talked about was, um, the fact that we are all individuals and we throw around, we're not a monolith, you know, uh, a lot, but it really rings true here because I think if you don't want to identify as adoptee first, then you shouldn't have to have that thrust on you. You should be able to right. adopt, uh, identify as Asian American or Korean American or Chinese American or just Chinese, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you want, however you want to identify yourself, as long as I feel like it lines up with those facts. Obviously, if you're misidentifying yourself in a way that's appropriative or anything like that, um, I say all of that just to say that you absolutely should not feel or no one should feel that they have to be adoptee presenting first. Um, I, I think it all too, it's very interesting because I myself almost gravitate in the opposite way. I think the other day I was introducing myself to a group of people and I introduced myself the way I do in adoptee spaces as like an mm. adoptee. And that was the first time I ever realized that I was doing that. But it also was like an epiphany for me that this is where I am now. And honestly, if I'm being totally honest, I identify more as an adoptee specifically than I do as a Korean or as an Asian person. You know, it's been really hard. I think just be, the work that I've done so far has just been very adoptee leaning. And it's been hard for me to get into the culture as much um, mm -hmm. as my fellow co-hosts or, you know, as other adoptees that are doing it. Um, and so... I think this is a really extremely important conversation. I really liked everything that you had just touched on um, in terms of how to identify um, and, yeah. you know, why that's important. Um, I think it speaks a lot to the work that you're doing now. And so one of the things that you're doing for work is, that's slightly different is this podcast. 
So I wanted to no, know. Well, not our podcast. Yeah, right. not our right. podcast. <laughs> right. Not our podcast. Katie's Your own podcast. podcast. Hey, I'm a new host. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to. I wanted you to tell our audience a little bit about your podcast, and then yeah. I have a couple questions. I don't know about the rest of the guys, oh, yeah. but uh, definitely have a couple episodes. questions about that as well. So. Oh, really? Oh, good. I always like when people say they listen because I have no idea. So. <laughs> no, Yay. it's great. I, I also um, live in Anaheim, so I'm, yes, I'm okay. immersed into yes. Disney. She's like, oh we're my gosh. Yes, we're yeah, I, I actually wore a, a Mickey Mouse shirt prior to <laughs> us starting this, and it just looked weird because it was cut off here and it wouldn't. Oh have, no! But I would have you know, it. I, I was going to like, support <gasps> and show the shirt, but. That I have so many Disney shirts. <laughs> yeah. That's well, I point. am loudly and proudly wearing a Disney shirt. Oh. Are you? That our listeners can't see. <laughs> I'm wearing a plain brown hoodie. But I have nice. Star Wars posters in the back. That's Disney. No. There you go. That counts. That's Disney now. That's better than Barely. my room. Barely. Oh, I wish we were in my living now. room, you guys. Um, so my <laughs> husband actually like made this collage of our wedding. And all the pictures line up on the wall. And it makes the Disney castle. That's when amazing. Cool. It. Yeah. That's pretty so cool. To, but I'm not. I'm not there right now. I just heard the. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have so. all these. And you turn the Disney... lights on. Fireworks go over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Tinkerbell flies over. Like what? Yep. We have a little Disney decal in our bathroom downstairs, and it's just like against the wall, and it's um, Gus and Jack, the mice from Cinderella, and they're running into the little mouse hole. Nice. Um, so we have little things like that all over the house. But nice. yeah. Anyway, um... our listeners are like, "Wait, what is it? Tell us. Tell us." <laughs> yeah. So. The Wonderful World of Disney Villains podcast is a podcast where I talk about the social identities and oppressions of Disney characters, specifically Disney villains, which a lot of people are like, Disney villains are oppressed? I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, they are. And I did research, <laughs> and I did a whole master's degree about it. So, yeah, there. You tell them, yeah. <laughs> um, what they are. You guys do. <laughs> um, so I have, I have a master's degree in cultural studies, and I was trying to decide what I was going to do my thesis on related to social identities, diversity, and and other things but i also wanted it to be about something that i was interested in and while i'm interested in higher education and um you know bridging those gaps that you know face students in regards to homelessness race and systemic racism and other i wanted to do something more fun and people kept referring to me as the disney person who knew everything about disney and i was like i don't know where this idea is coming from and why you keep telling me that i should answer every question related to disney like i'm a trivia person but i will do it for you so, <laughs> but i'm not mad i can't do this i will do it and all of my assignments were always like disney related and uh we had to do like a show a performance of some sort so i showed this parody musical called twisted which i talk about all the time by team star kid on youtube where they literally just parody every disney movie and they talk about how disney is buying pixar through this musical and it's a full-blown musical costumes wow. mics and everything they redid all the disney songs and the intro song is jafar singing um the song from bell the initial song from bell and uh -huh. everyone's saying f you jafar instead of bell <laughs> and they're saying you're ugly you're you know old and you're not going to amount to anything because you're not pretty young and us um so uh, <laughs> check it out i think it's great yeah and um yeah it's about you know jasmine and she's too naive to understand anything because she's only 16 and aladdin is 33 and <laughs> there's all these other things <laughs> and i just think i thought it was hysterical so i started from that i did an independent research class with my advisor who also loves disney villains and um i binge watched the tv show once upon a time 
um, because you can do that in independent research where you can just do a critical analysis of an entire TV sh- uh, series, which was seven seasons. And that was like the best quarter of my life. And <laughs> just my entire class, I was just doing that. I'm like, oh, I have to go watch this. I'm so sorry. This is part of my assignment. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and I just wanted to keep doing that. And so I was like, what better way? We watch Disney all the time. We have my husband purposely got a Disney Plus account because he knew I'd want it. And he loves Disney as well. Uh, I don't know if he loves it as much as I do, but I know he does. <laughs> and... um. We literally watch Disney Plus all day, all weekend, all the time, and we're really into superheroes and all that. So I did another independent research class on the Legends of Tomorrow TV series, if you've seen that on the yes. CW. Okay. okay. I did a whole paper about Sarah Lance and how badass she is, if I'm allowed Too to swear, uh, the, <laughs> as the White Canary. And I just wanted to keep going with it. So my final... Um, my advisor said, do something different. Don't do a paper like everybody else, because that's so you know, white patriarchy, male dominated, like hetero, all that normative stuff that higher education tells you that you have to do. And you don't have to do that. So I want you to do something different. I want you to think outside of the box. I want your thesis and your final to be something like creative and different. And so I was like, okay, so part of it was a podcast episode that is not ever going to air. And the other part <laughs> is a blog, which is upload which is my the wonderful world of Disneyvillains.com blog and then from there i was like um how am i going to keep up with this i went through life had a baby and i was literally you know on maternity leave like i'm going out of my mind i need to do something (laughs) (laughs) and i started going back to work none of my students knew i was there um for an entire month my students just didn't know i was around and i was trying to tell them emailing them spamming them like i'm here please like talk to me please let me help you register please let me do something please and so i was like maybe i should do a podcast so i started doing that and i was like what am i going to do a blog about or a podcast about oh disney obviously because that's my entire life and <laughs> Not my entire life, but you, you know, like a strong eighty um, percent of your yeah. life. A strong eighty, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I started, uh, I started doing the podcast. I the first episode was a professional development workshop that I made for the college that I work at, and then the second episode was my uh, master's thesis paper, I guess you would say, because I did still do a paper on top of this. So that was that and so you get to hear my scholarly side my academic side and the breakdown of why i believe disney villains are oppressed and why they represent marginalized communities and how that criminalizes people of color you know people with non-standard u.s dialects um the lgbtqia community and so many other identities and then uh so episode three i just did a my own opinion i i really love the tv show aladdin that was one of the the first things that my husband and I connected with when we met it was the, just the fact that he knew that there was a TV show. It was my favorite TV show growing up and no one really knows about it. So I did a whole episode talking about the villains from the Aladdin TV show. If you're in Germany and you have Amazon Prime, I'm told, then you can watch this. Otherwise, you can't unless it's pirated. <laughs> you need to get um, some VPN, girl. Yeah. I, I didn't and know about it until you mentioned it on your podcast. Yeah, I talked a lot about uh, Jasmine saving Aladdin from villains instead of the other way around Mm -hmm. and how i really gravitated towards that and that was what i connected with as a child it changed the the narrative of how women 
are portrayed i thought and so i really gravitated towards that so that's what episode three is about and then episode four was about dating culture and disney princess films with the damsels in the dm podcast which is really awesome because their entire podcast is about female stereotypes and relationships and the female narratives about relationships and others if this is coming out in march i have a special guest i am such a huge fan of the bechtel cast so i have caitlin from the bechtel cast and we're talking about female representation in Disney princess films. So princess versus uh, villain and just the different tropes of, you know, where is the female villain going up against the male protagonist? Are female villains just not just not seen as good enough for a male hero? Um, only There's only a female villain if there's a female protagonist and that's messed up. You know, like females can definitely go up against men. You see it with princesses because they're trying to be all like female empowerment and, you know, teach girls to, you know, be strong, but they don't do it the opposite way. And it's kind of messed up. Like you can, a man can get beat down by a woman. Like, and I should Mulan. say boy because they're usually boys. So a boy can be beat down. Yes. Like Mulan. Um, but, you know, flip it and have Mulan be the bad guy <laughs> or the bad girl. I <laughs> that would be say. amazing, actually. Yeah. So we talked about that. I'm really excited for that episode to come out. Um, I was able to book a, a former Disney engineer who worked on Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars land. And nice. um, I have another guest uh, coming up, uh, your former guest, uh, Lauren. And we're going to talk about adoption tropes in Disney princess films. Um, so like the the lack of processing and trauma that goes on with family separation and um i have another guest we're going to talk about makeup and you know lighter versus darker complexions and disney villain makeup being quite intense and being like cut creases and, and other versus the light the fair you know barely even there <laughs> type of princess makeup <laughs> so i have a lot of things in store i'm really excited to talk about them well when you do a wandavision episode or episode let me know i'll come on and I will. we can talk about I will. it we can dig deep into the mcu and then also yeah the that might have to be later well. Patrick oh Big yes <laughs> oh i love nerd. we love the mcu we rewatch those all the time oh i know me too and for some reason my my wife just does not want to just watch them all all the time and a straight rerun with <laughs> agents of shield and uh, can't win them all, all of the man. netflix yeah. uh, shows added in there i don't know why it's not even that all much of time. the netflix shows really <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah yikes oh, i mean I defenders is not the best but daredevil that's, that's all three seasons heard. great sure uh, I won't. Get, sure. I won't get into it. I won't get into no. it. <laughs> I like the fact that you're going to be doing an episode about uh, uh, the Disney adoption. I guess the characters yeah. that are adopted, because you know we've talked a little bit about that in the past. You know, um, Hercules, and I mean technically mm -hmm. Lilo and Stitch, and yes, but, oh um, uh, you know Penny Tangled. from the Rescuers. I mean, there's there's a lot uh, of that. In that. We just watched the Rescuers the other just, night. It's, it's an interesting thing it. that yeah. a lot of people haven't thought about about Disney. Um, films yeah. and like yeah tarzan was adopted by you know apes but yeah, that is in a, a <laughs> form of adopted adoption by i mean yeah and so yeah. uh yeah i'm interested in hearing what you guys have to say about that i really loved your last episode with the um uh with the the girls yeah and uh talking about how the, the damsels in distress and, and all that mm -hmm. stuff and the, the way that it was turned around to um where you talked about how 
the the women have the more recent films have shown more uh, women more empowerment, agency. and, and yeah. I, I really love that as well. Showing that there's lead roles like Moana, and yes. which actually one of the girls on the show said that they hadn't seen Moana yet, which I was I know. like, oh my gosh, Moana is such a great I had one. To, I had to like give a pitch about it. <laughs> I was like, this is why you should watch Moana. Please watch it for X, Y, and Z reasons, yes. and I will keep going if I have to. I'll tell you the whole movie if I have to. <laughs> and Tangled to too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there there are some really good ones out there. I, uh, you know, I think uh, you you have something special with that podcast. I think there's going to be Thank a lot of you. listeners. You guys oh, have sorry. any? All right, yeah, yeah, I know. See. There's a long pause. That we I, thought have to cut. I thought you were going to come back in. <laughs> we have those sometimes. Apparently, there just... wasn't like a clear ending with that. Just... No, I know. I, I started. I thought thinking, Nathan was going like, to have ask... a follow up question. I thought about Nathan that. was following up, but he I, then I, he did not come back in. I and didn't. I was like, oh, I wasn't prepared. Didn't. I was thinking about the episode. <laughs> That's my bad. Like that. so. Nathan is just casually fanboying your podcast. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do that, have a though. question, and my yes. wife will wanted to ask it as well. <laughs> okay, okay. After How do you like the um, the other, not necessarily Disney, but um, just films in general that show the other side of the villains? Like, for example, the musical oh, Wicked. Yes. Yes, I love Wicked so much. Face oh you gosh. made after you said Wicked. Um, yes, I love Wicked. I love Once Upon a Time. I love Twisted. The musical that I mentioned is also very heavy on the villain narrative. Um, Maleficent. And actually, Lauren and I were talking uh, Maleficent. And that trope of adoption was also really interesting for us and, and the way it was portrayed. Like, my mom was like, oh, my God, did you see that moment when, you know, like this happened? And you could see their, like, mother-daughter relationship and, like, how, you know, this moment is, you know, in the adoption narrative in, in another. Um, not in those words, but uh, it was just something that my mom and I were Uh, we're able to like a very short connection but we were able to connect like oh she sacrificed herself for her for her adopted daughter but we didn't use those words you know because that's that's crazy and um yeah just other narratives like that um we have the disney villain board game it's a very (laughs) challenging and strategic game it took us three yeah it took us three hours to figure out how we actually should play this game (laughs) i love how deeply on brand you are (laughs) yeah i am so on this i saw on disney plus today that they added an uh into the woods also which i have oh really oh did they have that today yeah they just added it i haven't seen it yet but uh it's you know it's a musical yeah i've seen that a lot a little too much you've seen it a lot so it's okay (laughs) it's on my watch list so so katie if people want to reach out to you and talk to you about disney and villains and uh any of the academic work that you've talked about really anything you've talked about on this podcast Mm -hmm. where can people find you on the web on Instagram, I'm very heavy on Instagram. Um, I feel like my Instagram handle is really hard to say, but I'll spell it out. Um, so it's Diz Villain Scholar, um, D I S Villain S S Scholar. But can you spell villain? I guess I said that. V I L L A I N. For the listeners, I like I like the play. It's Diz Villain Scholar. It's not like Disney Villain Scholar. It's that's what it's meant to be. But there's a limit on characters that's the worst (laughs) one it's a a good yeah it's good uh it's a good double double meaning yeah and the podcast has its own instagram handle as well um ww of dis villains so wonderful world of disney villains um and you can find the podcast on spotify apple podcast google podcast and iHeartRadio. oh nice yeah that was added on my birthday Mm. i was very excited hey yo Mm -hmm. that's exciting 
Uh, for the listeners, we will put it in our show notes, which we put a lot of work into our show notes, so please look at them anyways. But it's very easy. You just click where it says the handle, and then it takes you straight to Instagram. <laughs> straight or to Or the it. podcast feed, whichever. Um, I link perfect. them myself, usually. Yeah. <laughs> usually. usually. <laughs> <laughs> I changed them all because they're wrong. So. And Nathan is also there. No. I'm somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Technically, I am online. So, yeah, if uh, for everyone, all the listeners, if you need to send us an email, too, you can find us at uh, John Chi Show. Nathan, at this isn't like the part media. of the show where we do that. It is. We're done. No, no. we do that during the food, do that the food portion. We do it at both, I thought, because we cut no. out the food portion. No. no. Right. Just, Just cut that out. Never mind. Ignore that. <laughs> Nathan, uh, I like he just right. gave you future KJ a note. He just cut this out, yeah. future KJ. We used to do it <laughs> twice. I hated that. Well, now we no, do we it did once. It, we did it differently. Here, yeah, okay, yeah I think we did it. Anyways, it uh, <laughs> anyways. Katie, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, uh, it thanks has for been having a me. Pleasure. Thank you for telling your story. Uh, for chatting to us about Disney villains and and everything in between. Yeah. Uh, we are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we will be chomping down with another uh, munch addict. Epic. Item. I almost called it Munchbox. I know. We always almost have to pause. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. We are here, or welcome for the first time for our YouTube viewers. We are here with Katie Ohashi to try a new Munch Addict box snack. And I don't know what it is. (laughs) So, Nathan, please tell me what it is. Oh, Oh, do you not know? I don't know it because it's in Korean. <laughs> I just know it has vitamin C on it, and it's an apple, what appears to be that. candy. Yes, we so. are eating Crown's Maichu Sagwa flavor. Or apple so flavor. is it a chewy candy then? Yes. I'm so. My wife tells me it's like Haichu, which I can't remember oh, okay. if we had that here on the show or not. No, but. I've had a Haichu in the past, but I don't really... Remember, I if like I really the vitamin C in it. I don't know. <laughs> like you can really smell this. this. You can smell out. this before you even open it. I couldn't oh. smell it. Your sniffer must be like Dule Dule Hill level on. Well, psych. I, I used to be pregnant, <laughs> like so you know. Oh, yes. I have a mom. Yeah, that's true. So I can smell it in the packaging. KJ, what does it say on the front? What is the? It's Maichu. Maichu. That does say Maichu. Yeah, and then Tagua is the little yellow that just means apple. It also means apology. Really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Look, Look at, at you coming in with that Getting Korean knowledge. knowledge here. It's only because like I watch Running Man. It also, for some reason, says 6.1% on the front, and I don't know what I that I think means. that's percent apple juice. Oh. Here, those look like okay. a little banana square. Oh, these are apple square. Tengman. Crown apple chew. I'm ready. It's got a little tab to pull to open, which is nice. It looks like a consistency of a Laffy Taffy. It's like hard at first. Oh. oh, now I smell it. Once I take the the little plastic off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like four I approve of the y'all. snack. I'm getting there. Cause mm-hmm. I just ate dinner and I was oh, yeah. wanting a snack. I'm about to eat dinner. So. If I chew right mm-hmm. into the microphone, we can get some a mukbang <laughs> <laughs> or ASMR. No. ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> Stop masticating in front of our listeners. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Jeez. Yeah, you it's making me salivate. <laughs> yeah, it really makes me salivate. That's it's very. Mm-hmm. Nathan's eyes got so wide when he started chewing us. I know you're going to give it a five because you've been mm. loving right, it. Here we go. I'm doing oh, are it we now. rating this too? Patrick's oh, yeah, we predi- rate it. Patrick's predictions. Whoa. Nathan's as long as it doesn't pull any of my fillings out. It's like good. a chewy Jolly Rancher. <laughs> yeah. I like the taste of this. I like the apple flavoring. It's super juicy. It, yeah. <laughs> it is. It just keeps like coming. The flavor keeps coming. It does. 
Yeah, yeah, screw gum. I'm only going to chew these juicy. from now on. Oh, like this that. is my chew. Because mm-hmm. with gum, you have to do something with it when you're done with it. This is like... I don't. Hot take. I just, you just swallow it. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it Are for over serious? seven years. Wow. You just swallowed this. You yes. have seven years no, of gum I'm in your stomach. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Look, I've never seen it come out the other end. All right? So... That's what I'm saying. Not that you're aware of, but it probably does in some <laughs> yeah. way. I mean, probably degraded down into a different. You probably you have know, a very well coated bubble in your stomach. Hopefully, the audience has already eaten too. That <laughs> 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 is what it is. I like it. I think it's good. I like it yeah. I'm about to eat all these. Now I'm going to have to go have one of those high chews to compare because I don't remember what those tasted like. I think Haichu is like more milky. And more last time you had a Haichu. I feel like we yeah. have one on the show. No. Oh, we did? No. Right? I oh, I thought this was like so. a, a generic snack. Am I gaslighting us? Yeah. I don't Am know. I gaslighting myself? <laughs> I thought the, the Haichu was like a generic American snack, is it not? No. I thought it was. Eh. Oh, I don't know. I, don't I thought it was. Say anything. I thought it was still <laughs> I'm using my phone. I'm going I, I thought it was know. like Japanese or something. Yeah, maybe it's Japanese. Yeah, maybe it's Because I do see it in the Japanese markets. A Pocky Pepero. Like H Y Chu, right? H Y Chu. So one's a Haichu and one's a Michu? Maichu. Maichu. Maichu, yeah, Haichu. Yeah, Maichu evolves into a Haichu with Pepero. a Yellowstone. Yes. yes. Those it, are yeah. at Target. Right next to your kimchi at Target. Oh, yeah, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Might be. No, it's not. That'd be amazing. Maybe it's American. I don't know, man. Very good. I like these, let's, though. Let's jump into ratings. Morinaga. Um, that sounds Japanese. Oh, yeah, it does sound Japanese. As ex- experts on basically nothing, that sounds Japanese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As people who really would not know, we're going to go yeah. ahead and say it's Japanese. <laughs> we're going to lock it in at Japanese. I mean, honestly, somebody could be like, yo, you've heard of Tokyo. What country is that in? Be like, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. And well, that's why we sh- have Google. In the show's exactly. canon, it's Haichus located here. came from Japan. <laughs> it is their version of These things are good. chewing gum. That couldn't be swallowed. Interesting. Sure. You know what? Actually, um, I do remember in when my name was Kyoko, when America came to Korea, America, and the Americans came to Korea, they brought chewing gum and they were like, what is this? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Like chewing gum is a thing that we all grew up with. And then they're like, yeah, this is the, our version of that, but you can swallow it. Nice. Yeah. I always I like was it. worried about chewing gum because of the, I don't know, the natural rubber that's in it. It's, what? I, I just couldn't, I don't mm. swallow it. Sure. So I was like, I don't want to swallow rubber. Why would you say that? Now I'm I just so incredibly anymore. lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, okay, ratings. Let's jump in. <clears throat> Katie, what is your rating? How many apples do you give this out of five? How many sleeping beauties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? you know, I mean, Snow White, it would be Snow White. The apple, yeah, right? It would be Snow White. Snow White, oh. Wow, Nathan, do you even Disney? I don't. I just... <laughs> he says he doesn't. Let's take that out. I mean, Snow White is it's not done. really a good example, but uh, because the apple is poisonous. Exactly. Right. You well, can't eat it. But um, I would give but it a good, a good like 4.5. Four and a half out of five mm-hmm. apples. Mm-hmm. Nice. Why? What What puts it right at 4.5? What would, put it, what would take it to a five? It's a good snack size for me. I have a smaller mouth, so I feel like it's a good size. <laughs> it's chewy. It's delicious. It's juicy. Like the flavor just keeps coming and coming. Um, but for me, I'm lazy and I don't like to chew forever. And I feel, I like, feel like I had to chew for quite a while. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, my chew. I get it. I totally get it. I'm down for it. 
I would totally eat it again. I actually have an assortment pack. So I have mm. strawberry and, and grape to eat too. Ooh. Oh, yeah. the strawberry that sounds so good. Dang it. It does. Yeah, I mean it. Lunch right. addict. Yeah. I don't want what this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nathan, how about you? Uh, agreed. I, I like the size that it's just a little bit smaller than uh, the high chews. But like I said, I need to compare now. But uh, before I compare, I yeah, I'm going to give it a five out of five. Like you said, I yes. it opened my eyes. It's um, it's funny when you call it juicy, Katie. I'm like, it's not really juicy. It's my own saliva that's actually <laughs> the juicy part. So. I feel like the flavor keeps coming. Like it I keeps like. Like smacking it, it me. It makes it juicy. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like making my mouth just salivate. Yeah. So that right there is an interesting uh, take. So I, I would I would eat it again. And I like <laughs> the fact that it's not gum, so I don't have to spit it out or swallow it like KJ. So, uh, <laughs> but I hope fine. you did swallow it. We can do it. It's currently it stuck out. to the top of my uh my, okay. my mouth so I can save it for about, later. Uh, yeah. It's a saving thing, yeah, exactly. It's clogging up his soft palate. Yeah. We run the tape back, he's spitting it out on the side. We just save it. Um, I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5 as well. Um, I think that I wish it was a different flavor. That's the one reason I'm not giving it a 5. <laughs> I want a different flavor. But it's really good. I like it. It just, I needed this specific snack to sate me after dinner. So mm. what's going on there? What are you What are you showing us? So you here's the deal. The package? I'm going to give this a 4. I probably would have given it a 4.5, but I'm going to give it a 4. Because uh, it's delicious in all the ways that was were previously described. Um, I don't mind a little mastication, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> so I, I've eaten two. I oh, I shook the thing out to get out. Two more fell out, and then I couldn't get out the rest of them. So I literally had to destroy the packaging <laughs> in order to get any of them out. They're making and you I work just, for it. Yeah, you know what? I don't appreciate that. Um I, I will say though, actually, like the the wrapper itself reminds me of those like Andy's mints that you used yeah. to get in Olive Garden. Yeah. It's yep. like, mm-hmm. As a ten year old, that's like almost better than the breadsticks and the pasta that you ordered. It was one hundred percent. Yep. So anyways. well, now I wish it was one of those. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Um, anyways, so yeah, four out of five. If they had gotten the packaging right, if they you know fell out perfectly, I think it would have taken it up to at least a a four and a half. Oh, I will say, I don't know how many y'all have eaten. But um, no, I used a little tab thingy. Oh, okay. um, Ooh, strawberry. I will say, after having eaten two and now about to pop a third in my mouth, it does coat the throat like a Laffy Taffy, which I don't yeah. love as a singer and also as a person who breathes. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I only so have I think four that, left. So if you're a person who breathes, you might not like left? it. Yeah. <laughs> Going to Holy town. junk. How did you even do that? Are you run did the you tape just back. You'll see me. I'm chopping them down. This is my KJ, chew, not my swallow. KJ, when you yeah. were showing the thing and then you were telling that story, I 100 percent thought you were gonna say there were only four in your package. <laughs> and it was just no. empty. But even worse, you had to destroy it to get to the mm-hmm. rest. So that is that. Um, Crown, you've made a pretty good product. Munch Addict, thanks for good bringing job, it Crown. to us. Yeah. Thanks, mm-hmm. Munch Addict. Making it available. Katie, thank you so much for hanging out with us, for giving us such a wonderful interview. Uh, yeah. One more time for the listeners at home. Where can people find you on the internet? So people can find me on Instagram at Scholar. 
And uh, my podcast also has a website, thewonderfulworldofdisneyvillains.com. So you can also find me there. All right. Well, somebody else wrap this up because I'm busy chewing down another. <laughs> yeah, I was just chewing, chewing down another one. Now I only have three. <laughs> 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 Everyone talk about yourself. Major regrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to play some music here while we all finish chewing. And then we'll come back and wrap it up. All right. Well, you can find us uh, <laughs> on all the social media platforms at John Chi Show. You can also send us an email to John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. Please, uh, if you enjoy the show, enjoy what we do here, leave us a review um, on Apple Podcasts and whatever the podcast apps that pro- provide reviews. Um, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're uh, watching this on YouTube. That would be great. You can find me at Patrick in the world uh, on most everything and at P Armstrong on clubhouse. And you can find me at uh, N Nowak at uh, Instagram. And uh, we also have that uh, buy me a coffee page up. So if anybody would like to support us, John backslash support. And uh, we would love, uh, you know, to eat more snacks and <laughs> masticate more food for you. <laughs> Gross. Nathan. <laughs> Not massive. We're not gonna like mother bird somebody. Is that what that means? What is that? What that means? He said masticate for listeners. I'm like, oh. I'm not I'm gonna chew something up and then spit it out into their mouth. This was ASMR. What? No, we're not Gross. doing it anymore. Well, that's Anyways. how close we are with our fans. <laughs> it's a tight knit community. It's yeah. fine. We'll share our food. It, that does we've it border on cold? Chewing. Maybe. I don't know. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at KJ Relke on all the places that I want to be found. Uh, I think that's it. I guess I normally say all this stuff, but yeah, I said it this time. We got it for you. Wonderful. Thank you. Now again, we don't Katie. know how to end the show. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've broken the rhythm. We've done it in the wrong order. Uh, and thank you, my chew. All yeah, right. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next, next week. Until then, Tanchi Heyo. Bye. I only have three of these left.